And welcome into the Most Accurate Podcast. My name is Anthony Stalter. Alongside me is John Paulson. And today we are going to go over the rankings that John has put together for 444.com. we got kind of a breakdown of uh, position groups. And then we're going to talk about uh, some other news and notes as well. But John, how are we doing today? I'm doing fantastic because uh, 2019 projections are up. That's a big milestone for me in my offseason. And now I get to just uh, start doing my best ball drafts and start tweaking my rankings a little bit, but the majority of the off-season work is done, which is great. It's kind of amazing to think about that, too. It, it, does, it doesn't feel that long ago that the season ended, that the Patriots had beat the Rams in the Super Bowl, and already we're talking about rankings. But it's an, it's an exciting time of year, and football definitely is all, all year long now. Tell, tell us about the music, and we'll get into some of the, the deals that we have at 4 for 4 right now. Well, first, I'd just like to thank you for reminding me that the Patriots won another Super Bowl. I sort of blocked that out. Um, uh, that ten to three barn burner. <laughs> uh, was, I blocked that out. So thanks for thanks thanks for bringing that up. Anyway, yeah. the um, and, and I picked the over. I think in that game, or, or maybe yeah, the Rams. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I, maybe I took the Rams on the over. Either way, yeah, it was good. Yeah. It was good for everybody involved. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, the music is uh, a song called uh, what about us by a very really very very good guitarist gary clark jr he's uh, he's got a good voice as well he's been around for several several years now uh his first looks like his first full length was 2012 black and blue uh but this is the number two track what about us off of his 2019 album this land i added it to the most accurate podcast playlist which you can find on spotify and if you can't find it there you can click on any of the links uh in the any of the Spotify links in the uh, podcast playlist on 444.com. I always put a link in there to the to those playlists. So check it out. All right, early bird sale is happening right now, 444.com. You can get a 17 to 20% off a classic subscription, pro or DFS sub. And we're going to throw in a $35 coupon that you can apply to any league at the Fantasy Football Players Championship a.k.a. the FFPC. So the coupon is valid even if you've played at FFPC before. Kind of a great deal, John. You can kind of briefly discuss that as well. I know you've done some uh, some playing at FFPC. Yes, it's a fun uh, site to, to go to. Uh, we, we do the main event every year, which is a pretty big money uh, event. And uh, was, last couple of years, I think we finished second and third. Um, so looking for that first win. Uh, over in the, in the league there, but they've got drafts that are as low as 35 bucks. You can get a free league, uh, and it's it's tight end premium, which makes it uh, even more interesting because some of those uh, top end tight ends end up going in the first round. So it's a, it's a, it's a fun uh, uh, fun site over there. So you could buy a classic sub for $24, and then you get a free entry to a $35 league at FFPC. It's kind of a cool deal. And, and John, I, I crunched some numbers, and that's like finding basically $11 in your pocket, and you'll have a chance to win even more at FFPC. 
Or you could get a pro subscription for $49 at a net cost of $14, or a 4 for 4 DFS subscription at a net cost of $84. In addition, we're giving away a signed Alvin Kamara jersey to one lucky 2019 subscriber on May 31st. So get on it right now. Kind of a lot going on. I mean, this is this is the time. Don't wait until the season's about to start and say, all right, what kind of deals is everybody offering? This is this is the time to hop on right now and you get you get uh, you know all the all the price breaks. We have a couple of new items or news items to discuss since our last pod was on April 30th, and a lot of that was dedicated toward the draft. Isaiah Crowell tore his Achilles, and the Raiders also re-signed Doug Martin to shore up the depth chart. So what, is, what does this mean for Josh Jacobs? Yeah, maybe let me know what your thoughts are on the uh, Crowell versus Doug Martin uh, talent level right now, given what you've seen the last couple of years. But I thought Crowell was probably more of a threat to Josh Jacobs than than Martin will be. They they let Martin walk after last season and they signed they went out and signed Crowell uh prior to the draft, which was kind of a sneaky good signing because he was a cheap guy but has has run the ball well, you know, is able to catch the ball as well. So if they didn't get Josh Jacobs in the draft, it wasn't gonna be a, a disaster because they still were pretty decent at running back, but now that Crowell is out uh, for the year and you're just looking at Martin as the primary competition to Josh Jacobs, uh, along with Jalen Richard in the passing game, I think Jacobs is, is in line for a pretty big workload. Uh, we talked about uh, John Gruden and his running backs in the past and and how they uh, you know touched the ball, and I think we're looking at 260-plus touches for Josh Jacobs. I think that's a pretty fair assessment for him heading into 2019. Yeah, you know, John Gruden – the the way that he utilizes his running backs, Doug Martin wound up rushing, I think, for over 100 yards uh, in his final two games. So it looked like he had a little left in the tank there. But he's he's already 30. I think he turned 30 back in January. Like you said, they were ready to move on. Now they brought him back. I I don't I don't see Doug Martin being a, a huge threat to Josh Jacobs. I mean it. We're, we're talking about Doug Martin, who is one of the worst running backs in the league. Uh, in terms of starters and guys that are getting carries as recently as two years ago. So I, I don't think that the two, the two game spurt there at the end is going to mean that Doug Martin's going to eat into a lot of Josh Jacobs carries or, or threaten, uh, Josh Jacobs upside. So the Seahawks officially released Doug Baldwin. What does this mean for the other Seattle receivers? Well, this is big news. I think both for Tyler Lockett and, uh, DK Metcalf, uh, they they were pretty excited about Metcalf after the OTAs, and he's he's one of these physical specimens, six three, two hundred twenty eight pounds, four point three three speed, and you know the knock on him, I think. Well, I mean, I think when you went into the draft, there was a few sites, and I think the consensus was that he was going to be one of the first dra- uh, receivers taken off the board, and he ended up going uh, later in the draft than people thought. Um, and Kevin Zetlukel just wrote a article about uh, uh, Metcalf. DK Metcalf could be a league winner uh, over at 444.com. So search for that if you want to read more about that. You know, going through Zetlukel's uh, wide receiver model might be. Un- he he writes that he might be underestimating a little bit. Um, and given the opportunity available in Seattle with with Baldwin out of the way, uh, you know Metcalf is. You know, shooting up the the draft boards a little bit relative to when we thought that uh, Baldwin would be there playing 12, 13, 14 games. 
And I also really like uh, Tyler Lockett. I think he was undervalued already heading into best ball drafts, early best ball drafts. And um, he's obviously going to, you know, I don't know if he's going to build on his number 13 or 14 standard finish last year, but um, if I'm remembering correctly, but he was a lot higher than people remember um, in his, uh, you know, points per game and total uh, standard fantasy points. And, you know, PPR is obviously not as big. Uh, of a high reception guy. So he, he drops a little bit in those rankings, but uh, you know, he's going, I want to say sixth round, fifth, sixth round. And I think that's a good value for Lockett as well. All right. John released his 2019 projections. And today we're going to talk about the running back and quarterback positions. We'll start with the running backs. If you go to four for four.com, you could see the 2019 rankings breakdown that John did on the running backs. What did you notice while you were finishing up your rankings? What, what was the thing that stood out to you? Well, one thing I like to do at the end of this process or sort of in the middle of it is see where the guys who finished as RB2s last year, you know, played most of the games and finished with RB2 numbers, where are they going this year and, you know, how have their situations changed and is their drop or rise justified based on that. And a few names that jumped out at me, and we'll talk more about Kenyon Drake and Lamar Miller's values later, but uh, Kenyon Drake, Lamar Miller, Tariq Cohen, uh, Philip Lindsay are, are four guys that kind of jumped out at me. Uh, Drake finished 14th in PPR scoring last year. Miller finished 23rd. Um, both situations have improved because, you know, Frank Gore left Miami. He had 168 touches last year. Alfred Blue left uh, Houston, 170 touches. He signed with the Jaguars. Uh, yet you look at Drake and Miller, and they're going 28th and 32nd off the board. Uh, this is, you know, kind of a head-scratcher to me. Uh, it, it indicates to me that, the running back position is extremely deep compared to last year. Um, Tariq Cohen was 11th last year uh, in PPR scoring. You could argue that his situation is a little bit worse because they drafted a pass catching or pass cap- uh, pass catching capable back. Um, Philip Lindsay is 13th. You could maybe argue that he's, his situation is not going to be as good because uh, they're going to get more Royce Freeman more involved. But they're going 25th and thir- uh, 23rd off the board respectively. You know, significantly lower than uh, ten or four, ten to fourteen spots lower than where they finished last year. So that that tells me the RB two ranks are, uh, are deeper than last year, and it really opens up um, you know opportunities for people who want to go wide receiver early. This is going to be a running back early year because a lot of the number number one running backs, the first round running backs, stayed relatively healthy. So recency bias will have you know eight to ten to maybe even twelve running backs going in that first round. Um, and, uh, you know, if you want to go wide receiver, wide receiver in the first two rounds, you, there are running backs available in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth round that are pretty appealing. All right. You highlighted eight players, so let's discuss each one briefly. Let's start off with Damian Williams. Jumped out to you as a value. What sort of workload do you expect after the Chiefs also signed Carlos Hyde? Yeah, he's going in the early third, mid-third round. I think that's still good value for him, given what he did last year. He averaged 19.4 touches. 114 yards and 1.6 touchdowns in five games uh, with Kareem Hunt sidelined. That's 23.4 points per game in half PPR formats. He averaged 5.6 yards per carry in that span. Um, He was able to catch the ball as well as run it. And he got a two-year extension from the Chiefs, which is probably the biggest thing that jumped out to me is that they decided they saw enough to extend him um, for an additional two years. They signed Hyde, and I think Hyde will get that that 8-10 to touch role behind um, Williams and Andy Reid's offense. But, 
Reed typically leans on an RB1, and I think Williams would be that guy, and then Hyde will be uh, sort of the backup Spencer Ware type that will get a handful of touches. He's not a great receiver either. Um, Williams is significantly better in the receiving game, and they, you know, Andy Reid likes to use his, his running backs as, as receivers. So I think uh, Williams is a strong pick there in the third round. Josh Jacobs, we just talked about him a little bit. His ADP is rising. He's going with the 34th pick on average in best ball draft since May 9th. Is is there still value there, or are we kind of moving out of that range? And and Josh Jacobs' hype is starting to you know um, almost make him. I don't know it, a situation where he's he's almost he's overvalued. Over, yeah, overvalued over or will be overdraft. Drafted. I don't, you know, well, time will tell as to what his numbers end up being. I think from a workload standpoint, he's one of the, you, know, you, get, you get out of the first round and you start wondering about workload on some of these guys. And there's a slight question with him because of he's a rookie and they don't know how, you know, don't know how they're going to use uh, Jalen Richard in the passing game. Is he going to continue to play, you know, heavy snaps uh, and then limit Jacobs to 20 or 30 catches as opposed to maybe 50 that he could get if, if he was playing a lot of those third downs. So that's a big question with him. I think that's why he's still going in the third round as opposed to going in the second round. The, the Raiders' offense is also not like a juggernaut in terms of you know, Jacobs having a, a great chance at 10 rushing touchdowns. Um, but you look at what they lost uh, in terms of the touches per game. Um, they did re-sign Martin, but they had 18.2 touches per game vacated by Lynch and Martin, and then they re-signed Martin to sort of be the backup. Um, I think it's a gain for for Jacobs, as I mentioned earlier. From 1998 to 2007, John Gruden's lead backs averaged 266.1 touches on an average of 14.7 games played. That works out to 18.1 touches per game for his top back, and uh, you know that's a that's a nice workload for for. Um, for Jacobs, I think we're seeing 250 to 280 touches right now. I have it projected for like 300, so I may be a little bit optimistic on that front. But I think he's a fair pick in the in the in the third, and that's where I would put him here. Maybe he's not a great value, but he's a solid pick there. Marlon Mack, your boy, had some big games for the Colts last year. You loved him throughout the course of the year, and the and the buildup that you had in the preseason as well was you were pretty high on him. He's going in the middle of the third round. Good value there. Yeah, I, I was looking at Mack in my. We'll talk about my. Uh, early PPR mock draft that I did with a bunch of uh, industry folks later on, but I was looking at Mac versus Lindsay and I ended up going with Lindsay because I was just feeling a little bit better about his role in the passing game since it was a full PPR league. That's my one concern with Mac is that he just isn't that involved as a receiver, Uh, but he was getting a ton of carries and that offense should be good enough so that even if he's only a one to two catch per game type of a guy, he should still be able to produce even PPR formats. Uh, 17.7 touches uh, per game in one of the best offenses in the league. Uh, so, you know, and he's actually not a bad pass catcher at all based on what I've seen of him. So, uh, you know, they have Naheem Hines there doing a lot of that pass catching, but maybe they get Mac more involved now since they have a healthy offseason heading into uh, September. Leonard Fournette was a late first-round pick last year. Now he's going in the middle of the third as well. I, you know, we talk so much about value, John, and and where guys are going. At the end of the day, you still got to get a good player, no matter what round you're going in. When you when you see Leonard Fournette, uh, and he's a plotter, and he's also got some injury issues. Even if he's going in the third round, do you like him in that spot? Do you like him as a player, or is this a guy that you're going to be passing on in draft in, in draft night? Draft I think night? in the third round it's fair, and this is we're talking about a lot of third round guys because this is where those decisions have to be made. If you if you 
are looking at the draft and you like three or four guys that are going in the third round, you might be more inclined to pass on a, a running back in the first or second round and go with a receiver instead because, you know, you can get these guys in the third. And, you know, Fournette, his problem, you know, his 3.65 yards per carry is not pretty. Um, but it's really injuries that are the issue with him. He's got 11-plus carries in 23 of 24 games played, including the postseason. And he's also averaged 2.7 catches per game in that span. So the workload is going to be there for him. They did sign Alfred Blue uh, to be his backup. But I think, you know, you look at Fournette, he's significantly better in the passing game than, than Blue is. And he's the focus of that offense. And, um, and I also think that with Blake Bortles out and uh, Nick Foles in, there's going to be more pass attempts in uh, Jacksonville as well. And that could, you know, maybe lead to three, three and a half catches per game for Fournette. Uh, 8.3 touchdowns per game is the big, is the big bonus with Fournette. You're getting a lot of touchdowns with him. Uh, just the question is, can he stay healthy? And I think you're, you know, you're looking at Fournette as uh, maybe a, a, a guy going in the third round and you can get Alfred Blue super late as a handcuff. If you, if you were that worried about his uh, durability. Mark Ingram signed a deal with the Baltimore Ravens in the offseason. He's going in the fourth round. Do you like his upside in his first season with Baltimore? I do. There's a there's some competition there um, with Dixon and uh, Gus uh, Gus Edwards there as well. But they they went out and signed Ingram to a pretty good deal for a running back, and they're going to be so run heavy with Greg Roman calling the plays, Lamar Jackson at quarterback quarterback. So. Uh, the running lanes are going to be open too for Ingram with Jackson there as a threat to take it at any given play. He's 29 years old. He still has uh, some tread on the tires. He's dual threat ability. He can catch the ball as well. He's averaged 4.6 yards per carry in each of the last four seasons. He can score touchdowns. I just, you know, in the fourth round, I think this is a, a very nice value right now. All right. Kenyon Drake is going with pick five, seven. So, uh, you know, what was that fifth fifth round seventh pick and Lamar Miller is going with pick 66 would you be content to have either of these guys as your RB2 or even as your top run, running back if you start your draft wide receiver heavy where you're piling up on wide receivers maybe even you know uh, top tight end and then you're you're looking at Kenny and Drake and Lamar Miller as your your RB1 yeah you're you'd be loaded at maybe you grab three receivers and a and a tight end uh, in the first four rounds, and then you're able to add maybe Drake in the fifth round. I like that a lot. Uh, is it the is it totally safe? No, uh, but Drake is a big time playmaker. He's been kind of buried in terms of workload, playing for Adam Gase, who just didn't seem to like him that much. The Dolphins let Frank, Frank Gore walk, as I mentioned earlier. So there's all those touches available. We've got a defensive-minded head coach coming in, Brian Flores. They tend to defensive-minded head coaches tend to want to run the ball uh, to protect their defenses. And he brought in Chad O'Shea from uh, the New England to be the offensive co- coordinator. So Drake's been smartly watching uh, film of uh, James White, and maybe we end up with a 60, 70 catch kind of guy. And in PPR formats, that's gold. He's twenty-five years old. He's got a four point seven five yards per carry to boot. Um, and I think that's a, a real nice value there. So I think he's sort of a post-type sleeper. You know, he was going third round, fourth round last year. Uh, people were expecting bigger things from him. And, you know, he ended up with fourteen, uh, the 14th uh, PPR uh, season last year. And uh, people are kind of looking at him as a bust. But, you know, 25 years old with a new scheme in town, a new offense in town, I think he's a really nice pick. And I think Lamar Miller is going around later because he's older and maybe doesn't have as much upside as, as Drake does. 
but you know, looking at what he does with Deshaun Watson in the lineup, he's a very productive uh, uh, running back. Alfred Blue is gone, uh, so you know, unless you're really worried about Dante Foreman, uh, you know, eating into his workload, he's a he's a real solid pick there in the in the sixth round. Let's talk about a couple of later round guys before we get to the quarterback position. Adrian Peterson, Ronald Jones. Why did they jump out to you? Well, Peterson mainly jumps out. He signed a two-year deal. He's going very, very late in, in drafts. I think fantasy owners have moved on. Uh, they, they they want Darius Geis to take over that job. Geis you know, had the ACL injury. He's, quote, coming along a little slower than expected, according to Adam Schefter. Uh, it does sound like now he's going to be ready to go uh, for camp. Uh, so if that happens and he's looking good and it looks like he's pushing Peterson for touches, then I would be I would be kind of flip flopping them in my rankings. Uh, but right now, with given he had like three additional procedures that needed to be done, Geist did uh, due to an infection in the knee. So I'm I'm not I don't think he's out of the woods yet, and I'm a little bit worried about his health heading into the uh, into camp. So. They signed Peterson to a two-year deal. He was solid, you know, I don't know, 4.2 yards per carry, I think, and plenty of touches. He was pretty involved in the passing game as well, and I think it, it is given his ADP, it's a, a pretty good value right now. Let's talk about some quarterbacks. And again, we're doing the rankings. We're kind of having a discussion uh, based off of the preseason rankings that John did throughout the last couple of weeks. Running back spot, uh, the website is already, the the um, rankings are posted on the website. And then let's transition into some quarterbacks as well. And we're just kind of doing some expanded thoughts on some quarterbacks. So as John mentioned with the running backs, if they're going in the third or fourth round, just kind of talking about their value. So as we move on to the quarterback position, what are your general thoughts heading into 2019? Is it still as deep as it was a year ago? Well, you asked me about Ronald Jones before, and I forgot to answer. So I'll answer that for, uh, question first, and then we'll get on to the quarterbacks. Ronald Jones uh, was the most impressive player, according to, to uh, the GM Jason Licht uh, or Jason Light. I don't Light, know how yeah. His name. yeah. Uh, he was apparently the most impressive uh, player in, in spring workouts. Uh, the, the Bucks did not draft a, a running back early. They re-signed Peyton Barber, who's the primary competition. So I think Jones, maybe in the ninth, tenth round, is a pretty good. Um, a pretty good gamble. Uh, he also did really well in Kevin Zutlukel's running back model in 2018. So quarterback position is super deep. Again, I think it's actually deeper than last year. I think you can make a case that some of these guys going in the 20s could even finish in the top 12 if things break their way. Uh, so I would continue to wait on the position, uh, draft all the other positions first, get backups at running back and wide receiver, uh, get your tight end if you want, um, and then maybe start looking at the, the quarterback position in the 11th, 12th round, or even later. Uh, the guy who is jumping out to me the most um, is Dak Prescott. Uh, he, he's I got him like six and a half spots high in my quarterback rankings relative to the best ball rankings at Playdraft and uh, Best Ball 10s. Um, I think owners are looking at maybe his whole season uh, last year, he was pretty dreadful at the start. He lost Des Bryant from the previous season, Jason Witten as well. So he struggled to throw the ball. But once they added Amari Cooper, that whole passing offense opened up. I mean, he was 24th, the 24th quarterback through week eight. But once Cooper joined from week nine on, he was the number six quarterback with a 19.1 uh, points per game average. He, uh, If you add the uh, two playoff games in with that, he averaged 19.9 
points per game and 11 games with Cooper, so it's a pretty decent uh, sample size there. He played at a 4,300-yard, 32-total touchdown pace uh, when uh, prorated to 16 games. You get Witten back, who's a couple years older now, but still a pretty good receiving uh, tight end. And uh, Michael Gallup is showing some promise uh, playing alongside Cooper. And I think this passing offense is going to be a lot better than uh, it was for half the season last year. And I think Prescott has a really nice value you know, going in the late teens uh, at quarterback. Is there any other player who they, who you feel is overvalued right now when you're looking at your rankings? Yeah, I thought when I looked at my rankings versus the consensus or the, the ADP right now, Kirk Cousins like seems like he's going pretty high uh, relative to where I think he's going to uh, end up producing. And my concern is the is the nature of the offense there. They um, – they fired their OC late last year. They uh, uh, promoted Kevin Stefanski for the final three games. The pace of the offense slowed 6.4 plays per game under Stefanski, which is not good. It's a small sample size, but it's still not good because uh, it just lowers fantasy points produced by the whole offense. And uh, they almost they had an almost even run-pass split under Stefanski. So, you know, this looks good for Dalvin Cook and you know, Kirk Cousins uh, in, in points per handoff leagues. But as far as his uh, volume as a thrower, um, you know, his per, her per game his per game production dip dropped to 15.8 points per game. Uh, he, he was pretty high in the, in the um, fantasy points per game through the first uh, 14 games. I think he was number 13. Uh, but it dropped to quarterback, low quarterback, two levels uh, under Stefanski. So I'm officially worried about that. You know, that would be an exciting statistic to add. Turn around, hand it off to the running back, get a, get a full point, right? Yeah. Uh, and and you bring up a point that I know I know I've hammered this, and anybody that's listened to our podcast, they they, they may feel as though that I'm I'm overdoing it with this. But look, who's your head coach? If your head coach is an offensive mind that calls his own plays. I feel like they're they're going to be a lot more creative and open things up offensively than the guy that you have as a defensive minded coach. And in this case, with Kirk Cousins and Mike Zimmer, who is a fantastic defensive coach, this is this is not a knock in any way. This is just reality. When they when um, when he fired their offensive coordinator last year, it was because Mike Zimmer wanted to run the ball more, and he felt as though that they were they were leaving too many opportunities to run the ball. And a lot of times, I've where I've I've seen enough of this with defensive-minded coaches where they want to protect their defense, and one way to do that is to, to run the ball, try to control clock, and you have your defense on, on the sidelines getting rest so that they're ready to win the ball game for you in the fourth quarter. So when you're looking at Kirk Cousins, John, I, I, I agree with your assessment here. He might be over overvalued, especially if Mike Zimmer hammered into his offensive coordinator all offseason how we need to run the football we need to run the football we need to run the football so it's just something to think about uh as as you kind of look at your drafts um in the upcoming months months all right let's talk about ppr mock draft if if you i, I see that you drafted the tw- the 12th spot you started off with joe mixon followed by michael thomas Julian Edelman, who just signed a new two-year contract today, by the way, with the Patriots. Then Philip Lindsay, Tariq Cohen, and then followed by Hunter Henry, who uh, missed. What was it? All of last year? Did he? I thought he yeah. came back. Okay, yeah. I didn't know if he. I know. I know there was at well, one yeah, point. He came back. He came back late or in the playoffs. Okay. Either yeah. way, not not obviously fan, fantasy relevant last year. What was your strategy there? And do you regret any of those picks as they kind of you know played themselves out? Yeah, this was a. Uh 
uh, mock drafts uh, put on by PFF Fantasy. Uh, some bigger names were in there. Evan Silva, Brad Evans, Jake Seeley, Mike Clay, Michael Fabiano, uh, and several others uh, that are big names in the industry. But I picked 12th, which I always seem to pick 10th through 12th, somewhere in there. Um, but I, I wasn't com- completely done with my projections, so I, I decided to go to split my first two picks with a running back and wide receiver because Mixon was the last running back that I really liked there. Um, Dalvin Cook didn't go until seven picks later, it looks like. So uh, I thought Mixon was the safest pick there amongst the running backs. And then Michael Thomas, I think, is a PPR monster. There's a number of good running uh, wide receivers available, Julio Jones, Odell Beckham, uh, Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, but I like Thomas the best uh, in his situation, uh, in PPR formats especially. And then, you know, at 312, I was really hoping Julian Edelman would be there. That was a no-brainer pick for me. And then I had to think about my running back, and I was debating amongst uh, Philip Lindsay, Marlon Mack, um, even Karrion Johnson, uh, Mark Ingram, and I ended up going with Lindsay due to uh, his performance last year, and I think his role is pretty solid there. I, I, if I had that pick back, I might take Mack instead, but in the fifth round at 512, Tariq Cohen, I think it's a very nice pick there. I was hoping for Kenyon Drake to fall to me, but I think uh, Cohen's a very solid pick there. Uh, and then Hunter Henry, who I think is going to be a breakout uh, star for the uh, for the Chargers with Antonio Gates re- uh, retired. Even if Gates comes back in a, a secondary role, I think Henry's going to be the guy, and uh, you know he's got 10 touchdown upside in that offense. Yeah, he's he's excellent. I know he, he received a lot of hype last year before going down with the injury. Starting in the seventh round, you went with Larry Fitzgerald, James Washington, Adrian Peterson, DK Metcalf, who's a rookie, Debo Samuel, who's also a rookie, and then Ito Smith, who's the backup to Devontae Freeman in Atlanta. You like you like those picks and kind of how they fell to you? Yeah, Fitzgerald's old, but uh, you know he, I believe he was a wide receiver two in PPR formats, the kind of low end wide receiver two in the quarterback situation there in Arizona was pretty dreadful last year for him. So I think with Kyler Murray in there and a new offensive mind in there, he's going to have a bounce back season. So getting him at wide receiver 39 in a full PPR league, I think is a very nice value. And then of course I like James Washington, uh, you know, stepping in for uh, Antonio Brown and getting most of those Antonio Brown targets that are being vacated. I mean, Juju Smith Schuster is going to be great, but he had 160 plus targets last year. So there's only so many that he can absorb, from Antonio Brown, and I think Washington is, is the next uh, logical uh, pick there. Um, we talked about Peterson earlier, what I think of him. I wasn't crazy about that pick, but um, you know, I think he a, has a good chance to start there, and getting him in the ninth is fair. Um, and how far did you go through Metcalf I went Debo Samuel? Yeah, de- yeah exactly. Metcalf, yeah. Debo Samuel, and then Edo Smith. Okay, Metcalf, I think, is – we talked about him before, wide receiver two for – you know, not a high volume offense there with Seattle, but you look at Russell Wilson, what he's done in his career. He's one of the most efficient uh, fantasy points per pass attempt quarterbacks in the history of the league. So even if Metcalf is getting five to six targets, he can still be a, um, a useful fantasy wise. And he may not be as dependable as you'd like, but uh, big playability. Uh, Debo Samuel, I, I took him because I, th- I think he's got a good chance to start for. Uh, for the 49ers and they went out and got him. And I think to, to fill the slot and I think he'll see plenty of targets there. And you look at the other receivers there, they're not big target guys. Dante Pettis is, is, is very efficient and uh, a good fantasy pick, but he's not a high target guy. Uh, I think Samuel fills that role along with uh, George Kittle and that offense. And then Edo Smith, RB 
mean, tell me what you think of him as a Falcons fan, but <laughs> RB54, uh, he's taken over the um, Tevin Coleman role. He's playing alongside a Devontae Freeman who's had knee injury, you know, in the, in the last past couple of years. I think that's right. a high upside pick where, you know, Freeman maybe goes down. Even if he doesn't, you're looking at RB30 type numbers. So getting him at 54, I felt pretty good about that. Yeah, for, first and foremost, he's a shifty back. So they like to use him in the passing game as well. He, he's he's a kind of a low center of gravity running back. And, and what I mean by that is he'll, 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 run, he'll run low to the ground. And he's kind of, kind of similar in, uh, to Devontae Freeman in that where you can't really good, put, put a good lick on him. Now, he's not as bulky as Devontae Freeman, but He's he's a good back, and it told you everything you needed to know last year. Where Tevin Coleman was healthy, and he just he didn't put up big numbers, and they kept feeding the ball to Edo Smith later on in the year. Now, I think part of that was because Tevin Coleman was a free agent, and they needed to see what they had in Smith and be confident that he could back up Devonte Freeman in uh, the following year. Because I didn't think they they were they had any intention of bringing back Tevin Coleman after paying Freeman. But you brought up. Freeman's injury history, it's back, it's neck, it's knee. I mean, he's he's been banged up the last couple of years. So Ito Smith, good value. And circling back to what I talked about with Mike Zimmer in Minnesota, I've heard all offseason how Dan Quinn, defensive-minded Dan Quinn, wants to run the football more. They brought back Dirk Cutter. Dirk Cutter isn't a guy that has necessarily had these great running running games over the last couple of years in Tampa and then previously in Atlanta when he was the OC under Mike Smith. But this is a team that wants to kind of get back to physicality and running the football. And, you know, they, they signed three offensive linemen, drafted two offensive linemen in the first two in the first uh, first round. They they want to run the football. So uh, nice value there in Ito Smith. And as you alluded to, John, if Devontae Freeman does go down at, at any point again, Smith is going to be the guy. Let's talk about Dak Prescott. You loved him earlier in the pod. You talk, talked at length about him and what Amari Cooper did when he to Dak Prescott and enhanced his game when, when he arrived there from uh, the trade from Oakland. You got him in the 13th. Jared Goff also went in the 13th. So can you talk a little bit about that and your decision there? Yeah, in these industry drafts, you know, it's always like a, a game of chicken as to who's going to be the first one to draft a quarterback. Scott Barrett actually took uh, Pat Pat Mahomes in the third round, so the game of chicken didn't last that long. But um, typically, quarterbacks go a round or two or three later than they normally would in a, a typical, you know, friends and family draft that you might have in a bar or in your basement or whatever. But I was targeting um, Goff or Wentz. And I would have been happy with Prescott. And, you know, I was drafting at the end of the 13th round. So there was a lot of time between my two picks there in the 11th and 12th and then coming back to me. And, and Goff went um, with the 7th pick in the 13th and Wentz went with the 9th pick in the in the 13th round. But I was happy to get Prescott there. I think generally I'm going to be waiting a long time uh, on a quarterback. I was second to last uh, drafter to take a quarterback in this draft. And I think that's kind of the sweet spot because you can get, you know, one of these guys like Goff, Wentz, Prescott, they're, they're going to, their ADPs are probably going to be in that 10 to 14, 10 to 16 range. Maybe Prescott's even later. Um, and you know, once everybody has a quarterback in a draft, they typically don't take a second. We did have a couple guys taking a second quarterback in this, in this draft, uh, but they'll they'll typically you know look for backups at running back and wide receiver and even tight end before drafting a second quarterback. So a lot of times those guys going 12, 13, 14 will last a lot longer than they they should, and you can you can even skip them for a few rounds and, and hold off on the position. So um, 
that, that I'll just wrap up the draft here. I took Jalen Samuels in the 14th round. I think he's another like RB two on his team that has a lot of upside. If uh, something happens to James Conner, and then I wanted to talk about the Colts, and maybe you can expand on this, knowing what you do about the personnel. Sure. Uh, but they were the, like the number ten, number eleven fantasy defense last year, and I, I ran some numbers in terms of the you know projected sacks that I have for each of their opponents, projected uh, interceptions for each of their opponents, um, and ran strength of schedule for that. And the Colts came up with the number one most favorable schedule for a defense. Uh, the Patriots are second, by the way. And the Patriots are always good because the AFC East quarterbacks are typically <laughs> not very good. Um, but I thought the, that was interesting that the Colts popped in that, and they're going tenth to twelfth off the board. So you can wait a while as other teams, you know, draft the Jaguars or the Rams or the Chargers or the Bears or whoever, and then you can eventually nab the, the Colts. And I think you're going to end up with a really good. Um, fantasy defense. And the other thing I like about them is this is, you know, they've added a lot of talent on that side, um, but they have a great offense as well. And I like to draft defenses that play with on a team with great offenses because it puts uh, the opponent in a position where they have to throw and take chances more than they would like. And that usually leads to sacks and interceptions and pick sixes and, and those things. So maybe you could speak to the Colts defense a little bit. Yeah. So Darius Leonard is the, the, the main guy there. I mean, he, he's coming off a brilliant rookie season. He just had a cleanup procedure done on his ankle, but it shouldn't be uh, that big of a deal. They also signed Justin Houston to a two year, $24 million contract to give them uh, a boost with their, their pass rush. And while Houston certainly faded in Kansas city, a lot of that had to do with injuries. I still think that there's a lot there in terms of his pass rush ability. This is a team, Chris Ballard, uh, the general manager, has, has slowly built over the last couple of years and they look ready to pop. I don't think it was a fluke last year. You know, maybe they're they're a year or two ahead of schedule because they they won a playoff game. Um, nevertheless, I mean, th- this is this is a team that I think is going to be around a, a challenge. Is going to be a contender in the AFC for a while. And and the defense might not have a lot of names that you know or familiar familiar with, but that again wasn't a fluke last year. And they also traded up with the Raiders to select Michigan State safety Kari Willis. Uh, in the draft this year, they they drafted linebacker uh, linebacker uh, out of Stanford, Bobby Okereke, who was the 89th overall pick. They t- they took TCU defensive end Ben Bagu uh, in the draft. I mean, they they have committed and invested in. Uh, their 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 defense this year, and of course the the standout was Rocky Sin, the Temple Temple cornerback. So they've they've gone they've gone out of their way to add to their their pass rush, add to their their secondary, and they already had a couple of uh, guys a year ago that you know, especially Darius Leonard, who I mentioned before, who were already standout players. So this is a unit that I think is only only going to get better. And uh, with the fact that Frank Reich and that offense doesn't look like that's going anywhere after Andrew Luck had, you know, just a comeback, comeback uh, player of the year last year, I, I think I think that there's a there's a lot of good for for the Colts. And that and you're looking at the division, you know, Tennessee is kind of a mess offensively. They're, they have to change offensive coordinators again. Houston certainly has uh, a lot of talent at the skill position, but that offensive line they didn't do much to protect. Uh, to to go out of their way, um, you know, to to uh, protect 
Um, I can't. Deshaun think. Watson. Thank you, Deshaun Watson. It's getting later in the podcast. I'm losing my mind, John. But you, they, they they didn't do a lot there. And of course, the Jaguars offensively aren't that great. At Nick Foles' addition or not, you know that that's not an offense that's going to pop. So, long story short, I, I'm very high in this Colts defense, and I think personnel wise, schedule wise, who they who they face in the the division, I think it's it's going to be all good for Indy. Well, let me ask you this. I was just looking at the future odds for winning the Super Bowl, and I remember looking at this before with Indianapolis and thinking that they were pretty good value. Fifteen to one to win the Super Bowl. They're this. They have the sixth best odds, so they're fifteen to two to win the, the AFC. Uh, the, the Browns are a better, bigger favorite than them. The yeah. Chiefs, uh, the Saints, the Rams, and the Patriots. What are your thoughts there? So I'm going to be doing – I before for 4 has been pounding me for a while now. They're like, hey, why don't you do a futures article? I just haven't had time to write it, so I'm glad that you brought this up because I'll take a, a deeper dive. The Patriots at 6-1, to one, I mean, that's still pretty good. That's pr- still pretty good value. What that means is if, you're all, if you were to place $100 on the Patriots to win the Super Bowl, you would win $600. So that's, that's pretty good value with the Patriots. But – you you want to kind of target the teams that that John just listed. So fifteen to one, sixteen to one, nineteen to one, and with the Colts sitting there at fifteen to one, yeah, they they offer uh, certainly a, a lot of value. The the Browns I wouldn't touch at fourteen to one, only because I think they're you know you when you look at your rankings you 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 tend to look at okay who's overvalued. You're not saying they're a bad player. It's just I think they're going maybe a round uh, round or two higher than where they should go with the browns 14 to 1 i mean they we're talking about a team that they they've still got a a long way to go in terms of changing the culture there they they're they're a talented team but we're talking about a rookie head coach a second year quarterback there's a lot of talent there with odell beckham junior now but you only got one football there this is not a franchise that is used to winning Talent is there. I don't want to be Colin Cowherd and constantly harass on you know uh, the the Browns and take pot shots and things like that. But there, there's a lot to be said for a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers. The culture is there. They might not be as talented as what they were over the last ten years or so, but they're used to winning. They figure it out. So when I look at the Colts, I think that's good value. The Eagles, sixteen to one. If Carson Wentz is healthy, that's a team that obviously went to the Super Bowl and won it two years ago. Uh, it won a playoff game a year ago. The talent's there. The Chargers, nineteen to one. You're looking at the talent as well. That that's a team that also won a playoff game and who a lot of people thought would upend the Patriots in Foxborough last year. And if the schedule wasn't as wonky as it was last year with them traveling all over the place at the end of the year, they may have gotten past uh, New England and Foxborough. So yeah, I think the the teams that you brought up there certainly offer a lot of value. And just going back to what I said about the Patriots, if you're one hundred dollar better. You would win nine uh, nineteen hundred on the Chargers if they were to win it all. So when you're looking at the kind of those those odds, fifteen to one, sixteen to one, nineteen to one, that that's that's kind of where you want to be. Now if you go down deeper, you know Buccaneers at seventy to one. Could I see the Buccaneers having a a, a surprising year and the Saints take a step back and the Falcons deal with injuries again? And the Buccaneers win the win win the NFC South. Sure, but would I bet on it? That's 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 a deep that's a deep long shot. So I would avoid those. Does that make sense in terms of the odds and the value? Yeah, it does. And I, you know, I'm just looking at this. And to me, the best team in the NFC is this, are the Saints, uh, and I, I think the Colts are the best team in the AFC, com- most complete team. So I, they're 
Saints are at twelve to one, and the Colts are at fifteen to one. So I might, my son has a basketball tournament in Vegas this summer, so I might have to stop by one of the casinos and place a bet. I like it. Uh, Chiefs are ten to one, and the Chiefs, Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes, and I mean that that team, that team was a juggernaut, but. They lost a lot of talent too, and we don't know what's going to happen with Tyree Kills, which also plays into, uh, you know, your kind of your your liking of the Colts. So yeah, and the and the uh, the defense is a little sketchy too. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so I'll, I'm going to do an article at some point on maybe I don't know three to five teams that I see value in to win the Super Bowl, and you just kind of want to roll the dice on a little bit. I, I'm in St. Louis. You know, the Blues were the worst team in the NHL, literally the worst team in the NHL at the end of December. And they're if they win tonight, we're recording this on Tuesday, if they win tonight, they're going to the Stanley Cup. If you were to place a wager on the Blues back in January, I think they were like a 200-to-1 long shot. Uh, you just never know. I mean, you want to you wanna kind of find the teams that, well, yeah, not a lot of people love them to win the Super Bowl, and you may get scoffed at. You're trying to find that ultimate value. Now, the Blues are obviously the uh, kind of the exception to the rule where they were back in January, but you're just trying to find kind of that mid-range long shot that's going to pay off for you. Uh, all right, we're going to be back next week to discuss John's receiver and tight end rankings. So if you're thinking to yourself, hey, what about the receivers? What about the tight ends, John? Well, he'll have those rankings for you. We'll do another podcast similar to the one that we just did today focused on receivers and tight ends. Don't forget about... The early bird pricing that we have at 444.com, the sale is happening right now. Get 17 to 20% off a Classic Pro or DFS subscription. We're going to throw in 35 a $35 coupon that you can apply to any league at the Fantasy Football Players Championship, a.k.a. the FFPC. Coupon is valid even if you've played at FFPC before. You could buy a Classic subscription for $24 and get a free entry to a $35 league. So when I crunch the numbers there, John, like I said earlier in the podcast, it's like finding $11 in your pocket. It's a, it's a good deal. You want to jump on it right now. For John Paulson, I'm Anthony Stalter. We will see you next week on the Most Accurate Podcast. You want to make sure that you check that one out. Uh, again, we'll have wide receiver and tight end break uh, breakdowns for you then. So until then, we'll see you next time on the Most Accurate Podcast.